Ein Leben lang. Hallo, meine Leute. Wie geht? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast for the fans and the only podcast partnering with Schalke themselves. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. It's been a while uh, because of this Vinter Pazza, but uh, as always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Uh, no games in a while, Jack. How are we coping? Well, I mean, given how the first half of the season went, I'm actually coping fairly well. I kind of needed to from <laughs> from Schalke games for a while. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while. I feel like it's been maybe even over a month since you and I were last on a pod together um obviously we've been in contact over the winter break about things but it's uh, nice to be back in the saddle here yeah i actually had to look up and remember what your name was because it's been so long <laughs> yeah, i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> uh this is our mid-season uh podcast and we thought hey why not bring on an old friend um she is a city trotter a dreamer chocoholic coffee snob german-american francophile who now calls bavaria home She's a sports journalist for Focus Online. Please welcome back for her third cap, Marie Schulte-Bockham. Willkommen, Marie. Good morning. Good morning to you. I'm Yeah, I'm recording from Munich where it's just about 5 a.m. now and really excited to talk to you guys about what we can improve on as Schalke 04 for the rest of the season. Jack, uh, Marie is talking to us from the future here, so hopefully she has uh, a better future <laughs> Schalke this uh <laughs> now, Marie, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but with this appearance, you have now, uh, I believe, pulled out in front with the the most all time appearances on this podcast at a whopping <laughs> three, uh, a massive lead over Curdy Smith, who has two. So, uh, congratulations on that. Every time you come on, I feel like you regain that 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 illustrious title. <laughs> Thanks, I'm really honored. I think I have more uh, caps than any Schalke player for Germany right now. So. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ah, uh, sad but true, but that's the kind of season we've had. Oh, we must talk about this because uh, this is a mid-season awards podcast, but the first half of the season has not been the kindest to Schalke. If we go ahead and look at the table, because we must, um, Schalke currently sit in 13th position, far from the second position or third, whatever it was, or second position from last year where we finished. Um, it's 18 points out of 17 17 games, uh, guys, this is uh, not exactly where we thought we'd be at this point, is it? Uh, I'll start with you, Marie. Yeah, it's been a really disappointing first half of the season. Of course, the awful start where, you know, a lot of us were reminded about the Weinziel start and kind of thought, oh God, here we have another one of those seasons. More comparisons as well, like we're doing well in the Cup, well in the Champions League, so excited about that. But really, for me... Yeah, the biggest um, difference to last season is that we're not converting what we call in German the Standardsituation, so the penalties and free kicks um, that we're missing the spark of Meyer and Goretzka in the middle of the field. 
And of course, that Schalke is not scoring. I think the defense has been mostly solid, but really concerned about our attacking fraction. Yeah, Jack, it's, uh, we never thought we'd say this, but we, I think we do miss, uh, Goretzka and Meyer, it seems like, cause Meyer was definitely a common influence in, in that sixth position, and, and Goretzka did have a spark that at least Harit's not having this season, and many of the guys really aren't, so. I mean, yeah, at a minimum, there was some consistency with the selection when you had those guys in and around the side. And I feel like yeah. we've just been rotating uh, so often. It's We haven't really settled in on a you know, a midfield pairing or, or even a system to some extent so far uh, this, this season. But, uh, yeah, very disappointing first half. As you said, we were in second place uh, this time last year when we were recording uh, this podcast. And uh, nowhere near that. At the moment, uh, as you said, in the Bundesliga, maybe just like almost a point a game essentially so far. And uh, despite advancing uh, past the group stage in the Champions League, which is obviously you know a great accomplishment, um, I don't think we were particularly convincing in that competition either in what I think a lot of people would agree was one of the weaker groups in that group stage. So um, yeah, the, uh, the, the set pieces and uh, penalties to some extent and other things have, have dried up and we talked about that a lot last year that Schalke needs to score goals from open play because you cannot rely on those things to um, you know continue to be a source of goals for you and uh, you know the offense just hasn't been there this year we haven't found a way to uh, to unlock teams um, frequently enough to uh, to get the points we need I've uh, I, I, I got an article coming out here and shortly for the goal mouse scramble uh, where I'm trying to t- trying to figure out what is going on with Schalke this season, and, and kind of what Marie said, you know, the lack of goal scoring this year, and kind of what Jack was saying, the the personnel has not been there, the tactics have been changing constantly. McKenney's played every freaking position uh, <laughs> on the team. Um, there's a lot that's contributing to this, and it's really hard to pinpoint one thing in particular. Um, it, it's a difficult thing, and then so um, I'll be doing a preview for breaking the lines for the the Champions League game against Man City, and that's going to be interesting because. It might be all Man City pre- previewing that one. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very disappointing season. And it's just been so consistent that the only consistent thing is we've been playing inconsistently the whole time. Uh, there's games there, we had, we had win streaks in the season where we thought we we're starting to go in the right direction. And then we play really, really poor. And then other times we we're playing really bad. And then we pull out a win when we didn't think we we're going to do it. It's just been, uh, there's been no predicting predictability with anything that's going on other than the inconsistency. So, um, we're going to get to some of the signings and stuff like that. But I mean, we had a lot of signings coming the season. We had a lot of hope. We finished second last year and then we got, you know, we got Mark Uth, we got Salif Sane, Suat Seder, Omar Mascarell, Sebastian Rudy, uh, just to name, just to name some. And, um, none of them really panned out. I mean, Salif Sane has probably been the only one that's panned out, but, even the new guys, they they can't seem to get on the same page, and I just can't figure it out. Can you guys figure it out? I mean, Marie, I know this whole season, um, yes, we've been struggling with injuries. That's been a big part of the, the whole thing, but the new guys can't even get on the same page, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, and first of, firstly, I have to agree with, with both of you that the rotation policy with Tedesco this season has been quite wild and really unsettled the team. You know, if you have from... From a Wednesday to a Saturday, you have a completely different team with seven new players, a completely new midfield. For example, Seada is getting all these minutes in the Champions League and not really seeing the light of the day in the Bundesliga. Um, but regarding the transfers, yeah, I think Mascarell has been most disappointing. I was a big fan of him. He's quite an aggressive midfielder who has a fine touch too. And I don't know what's up with him. I mean, maybe it's something behind the scenes, but 
he's not a factor at all. I think Mark Oud um, also has has been positive and has shown really good starts before his injury. And I really like his new role that Tedesco again has given him. Tedesco is such a transformer of players positionally, where he's kind of this number eight or number 10 in the center of midfield. And there you can see that he he's very good with the ball, where, you know, that's quite unique in our squad right now. Um, and he's... I think it'll be really interesting to see him continue in that role, perhaps in the Rückrunde. Yeah, Jack. It seems like uh, before the Uth injury, he was really starting to come around. He had a couple goals in, in in some of the games, and he started being more involved in the matches. And then that injury hit at the absolute wrong time for him and and for Schalke. Yeah, the injury trouble, particularly up top, was it was crazy to see. And maybe if that hadn't taken place the way it had, we would uh, be talking about a slightly different. Hinrund at the moment, but um, I mean, the one thing I will say for Tedesco is that I do appreciate the fact that he isn't stuck in his ways and he's willing to change things up and, and try new yeah. looks yeah. Um, when the results are going badly. But I do think it has been a little bit excessive, and as Marie says, has unsettled the team to some extent. Um, I mean, finishing second last year, and then you know going into the transfer window, uh, you know, teams like Bayern didn't really spend any money at all, and in fact, probably overall like lost some good talent and didn't really bring anything in and um Schalke was one of the teams that I thought uh we, we didn't bring in a massive name or anything but I thought we did some good business in the offseason so if anything I was feeling pretty optimistic like I, I did feel as though we overperformed a little bit last year but you know with the signings we made I, I still thought we had a good shot to be competing uh for Europe and just so many of these signings have, have not panned out and I'm sure we'll get to some of these later but you know Sebastian Rudy in particular you know a 16 million dollar signing or whatever it was and uh somebody that's held in pretty pretty high esteem in the Bundesliga and just I guess we all kind of thought that was sort of a no-brainer and that he'd slide into a role somewhat similar to what maybe what Max Meyer was doing effectively last year and just sort of boss possession in the midfield and he's he hasn't done that and he's struggled to even stay in the side at times I mean he got dropped from the entire match day squad I think right at the end of the season maybe against Leverkusen that was so um yeah I hope that we've found some way, you know, during the winter pause to, to sort some things out and, and, you know, it's a, it's a fresh start and, uh, got to take everything one game at a time and, and see where we end up. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting too, that, um, the lack of goal screen and yeah, the new players can't have been able to jump in and, and, and mesh with the team, but it's also the, the veterans that have been there. Uh, they can't seem to get a right foot in. I mean, Burksell only has two goals on the season. Yeah. He's been injured a lot, but, um, I think our leading goal scorer is, I want to say it's maybe Bentaleb with three or something. I, I, I don't think yeah, it's many it's, goals. It's Bentaleb and, uh, Skripsky, I think. Yeah, yeah. And Skripsky had two goals in one game, so, um, and I think our leading assist man is, is Calagiri and he has two assists in one game or something crazy, so, uh, yeah, it's been a very, uh, uh, a damning season so far, <laughs> but it's ha- halfway over and, uh, uh, we are within, I think, uh, less than 10 points from the European spot, which is a bright light. I guess you can look at it if you want to look at a, a positive spin on this. As bad as it, it seems, we're within reach. If we get, if we can get on a hot streak, uh, we can jump back into this really quick and be in the top 10 and, and, and even Europa League spots. So I think it's, it's there. It's attainable. They just got to find a way to, uh, to get there. And a, a man that they have brought in to kind of help this and hopefully, ignite the offense and somehow is a is a name we've heard before joseph seppo eichhorn uh he's back at schalke as a co-trainer not just a scout um and i'm sure i know this is a welcome welcome addition for tedesco and on his staff because uh, he certainly needs some help marie offensively defensively like as you said 
they're still pretty good. I mean, as, as bad as Schalke has looked this season, defensive record-wise, they're actually one of the better teams in the league as far as goals against. Uh, but offensively, is where the, the problems are. There's no goal scoring going in at the moment. So, um, what can we expect from from Old Seppo to help us uh, possibly get more goals in that department? Yeah, I think um, definitely our star signing so far. I'm sure Heidel is working in the background, but we haven't um, signed another um, player since in the winter break. Of course, he's not a player. You know what I mean, a coach. But I read a really good interview with him in Spox magazine. And he's been, he has a long Schalke history, as you mentioned, as a, as a coach, as a scout. And he's really worked under some of our more prolific coaches like Rangnick and Felix Magath yeah. in the past. And he's worked with real attacking talent. You know, we had that team where you had Draxler on the left, uh -huh. Fafan on the right, Raul and Huntela up front, um, you know, crying, crying. <laughs> but, yeah. You know, I think... Having someone calmer, and I think Tedesco, obviously, we don't have to talk about his quality. He's a fantastic coach, but I'm really worried about the state of the rings under his eyes. And it's good to have some experience alongside him, perhaps someone who has a, a fresh view. So I'm, I think I'm very positive about this, this new coach um, as an assistant. Yeah, Jack, I, I, I have to agree with her. I think um, Seppo was here at a time when Schalke offensively were a goal-scoring threat. They they were scoring three, four goals a game with Raul and Huntelar and, and Draxler and all the names that Marie mentioned. Um, are you excited about this signing, uh, you know, bringing him onto the onto the training staff and, and seeing what he can do to help out Tedesco? The only thing I was concerned about was whether or not it would be something that Tedesco would have some resistance to. Because we've heard a little bit about that, at least with, with Heidel, because there was some talk about right. maybe Schalke right. bringing a squad plan or something, and he was resistant to that idea. So you don't want to do something that's going to upset the coach or anything. But, um, yeah, I do think it's a good move. As you have both already stated, you know, the history that he has at the club. Um, he understands the club and, and what it takes to be successful at the club. And uh, I think one quote that I saw from Tedesco was, was stating that uh, Tedesco feels as though he – uh, sees things differently and kind of approaches the game from a different angle and hopefully that won't really result in you know the butting of heads but they will complement each other and maybe you know give each other ideas that the other one wasn't thinking or you know see something that the other person isn't seeing and maybe that'll help Tedesco form uh, you know better game plans and, and, and you know tactical setups and everything going forward so I, I would I would hope it's uh, you know going to be a, a good thing and that he's been a, a positive influence in, in training camp and everything so far. It's um all the quotes that I've read from Tedesco thus far on Icorn have been positive. He, he's he's obviously welcoming the move. It seems like, and uh, as you said, Jack, he he is open to a, a different perspective to try to help you know get this thing uh, going the right direction. So we'll we'll see how this turns out. Uh, we're all hopeful here that things will turn around. Maybe get back to the old goal scoring days of of past. But yeah, that's probably a little stretching it too much. Um, so Heidel has done a little bit of magic thus far. That is probably the best signing we've seen so far during the winter pause. Uh, let's talk about, there were some couple other moves and there's some other moves that have been in the rumors. Um, and if you guys have heard anything else, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those as well. Uh, first, the, the big elephant in the room is the big defender, Naldo. Uh, there was rumors that he was discontent, you know, being on the bench. Uh, last year he was such an instrumental player for Schalke, but this season he's maybe turned up in five games total. Uh, he has been shipped off to Monaco, um, and just before he left, uh, I think Marie is one who retweeted this. It was uh, Naldo's wife who had some comments to, to make about uh, her husband's uh, playtime at Schalke. 
but he is off to Monaco. Um, Marie, what do you make of this move for, uh, arguably the best defender in the Bundesliga last year? Now he's playing his, uh, he's making his trade over in France. Yeah. I mean, honestly, to be blunt between us, I was appalled. Um, and I think, more so than his defensive quality, which is always there. He's solid. I know against Porto in that first game, he kind of caused two penalties, but that can happen to anyone. Um, he's so important for the team's chemistry. Um, and within the team, a lot of the younger players refer to him as Papai, so the Brazilian name for a dad. And he's such a positive um, moral instance in that team. So to just ship someone off because maybe, I don't know, I mean, Heidel kind of defended it as, you know, he came to us and said he'd want to go. But we all know that this isn't an Aubameyang or Dembele. He wouldn't have made a fuss and he would have gotten the minutes because now we have two centre-backs in the squad plus Stambouli um, and sometimes we play with three in the back. So I, I just don't get the transfer at all. And I think he's... Everything that he was as a package with the personality and the play and the danger on set pieces. And, you know, he's he's a type of player where maybe you can bring in the 85th minute if you need a header goal. And all of that is gone. So this is my fan heart talking, perhaps more than the journalist in me. But I was really disappointed with this transfer. Yeah, Jack, I, I think I, I'm on those sentiments as well. I mean, if I, if I look at it without the heart... You look at his performances this season; they have not been Naldo-esque and not to where we need him to be. Uh, but that, like as you can say, that Porto game, two penalties, anybody can give away that. But uh, how did you feel about the move, Jack, uh, when you initially heard it? Well, of course, I was disappointed as well. But I think I'm, I, I, Marie. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so correct me if I misinterpreted what you just said a little bit. But I feel like a lot of people have been sort of putting this on Heidel to some extent, um, and. I guess I just kind of I understand the move more. I, I don't think this is something that like Heidel or anybody else on the Schalke side of things forced just because what's the point in shipping off somebody like Naldo for what was it like two million? Like basically no money at all. Like there's really no nothing to be gained from that. Um, you know, I, Naldo has talked about how despite his age, he feels like he's playing some of the best football of his life. And that hasn't changed in the offseason. He still feels like he's playing you know, up to the level he was playing last year, and he's been disappointed in the lack of opportunities, and he wants to, you know, kind of make hay while the sun shines sort of thing and um, take advantage of whatever time he has left in the game. So I don't really blame him for being um, dissatisfied with uh, the way things were going, if, if that's truly what happened. And I think that probably makes more sense than any anything on the Schalke side of things kind of like forcing him out. But, um, I mean, from the Schalke's perspective, it is it is a bad move. Uh, it he probably should have gotten more playing time this season than he has gotten. And uh, we definitely don't have a lot of depth back there. Um, I mean, yeah, we brought in, you know, Sine, but uh, we, we shipped out Tilo Carrer to PSG. So we have, we're not really any stronger than we were last season for for that addition of Salif Sine. So, it, yeah, I mean, and, and as Marie said, he's he's a huge figure in the locker room as well. Even if he isn't getting the minutes on the pitch, he's, he's, a, he's a very – he's a father figure. You saw – McKinney, um, in his public post, you know, use use the Brazilian term that, that Marie mentioned, um, referring to him that way. Uh, he's he was a he was a giant in the locker room and a, and a mentor and all those things, and that's that's not good for the uh, for the club to lose that. But uh, if it really is the case of Naldo kind of requesting that, uh, I guess part of me feels like, you know, he's been a good servant, and uh, we probably owe it to him to kind of you know let him do what he wants. But um, yeah, if, especially because we haven't signed anyone in the off season and we have some injuries now, it's it's not looking like. A particularly great move. 
as Naldo said, it it was sad to to make the decision to go. Um, and you said it, it the the personality off the field was the was the big thing. I mean, he's probably responsible as much as Tedesco is for the for the development of such a youth players like like McKenney and even now Haji Wright and some of the other younger players on the team. Um, Naldo really kind of shaped them then and 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 was the the mentor figure for them both on and off the pitch. Now going forward, I mean. Ever since he's now, the Naldo uh, gets shipped away, now they're talking about bringing in another defender to help out, like maybe uh, Medi Banatia from Juventus or something like that. Um, we look at the two central defenders that we currently have. Uh, while both of them are very talented, Nastasic and Salif Sane, they're both hot-tempered. Uh, the thing about Naldo is he was always calm. He rarely lost his cool unless it was something that was warranted. Um, and we've seen both Sane and Nastasic lose their heads and and picked up red cards uh, for that because they're tempered pretty much just for their tempers, not for their fouls. Um, so hopefully going forward, knowing that there's no other one, no other center backs there other than Sambuli, they're going to have to watch their, they're going to have to watch their tempers uh, until they, unless they bring somebody else in, which I don't know if they will. Um, a move that, well, that is a move we weren't too keen on, uh, happy with necessarily. This one, I think the next one is a move we all agree on. It was probably the best move because we never, at least I never, uh, really understood why he came back. Um, and that is Johannes Geis. Uh, he's going off to Cologne. Um, move makes sense for me. He wasn't getting pitch time with Schalke. There was nowhere really. I mean, I, I would have loved to see his free kicks and, and see if he's pr- improved any, you know, come back from the La Liga. But, um, I think it's just, be- it's better just to part ways with him. We, we had the, the Geis experiment before and it did not work. Uh, Marie, how'd you feel on, on his move to Cologne? Yeah, honestly, can't add anything to that. You put it well. I think in his first season, he was very good until Christmas when he had that absolutely horrible foul against uh, Andre Hahn, who was at Gladbach at yeah. the time. Um, but up to then, he was he was very good. And he hasn't been the same guy since. Then he was away. I, we all know that he's probably making quite a lot of money, quite a big uh, paycheck. Same for Naldo, by the way. So... Although we're not getting much in terms of transfer fees, that's probably, you know, in some saving about seven or eight million on wages per year. So I think a really good deal and happy for him because Cologne is a really cool club and they're probably going to go up to the first league at the end of the season. Fantastic city as well. Mm-hmm. Jack, what'd you make of, uh, uh, are you liking this guy's move? Yeah, not, nothing, not much to say about it. You know, I wish him the best. Uh, it's probably best for both parties if they part ways. Um, you and I have talked about that that foul a number of times on the podcast. He kind of he kind of lost me as a fan when he did that. Uh, it's it's my opinion that it was intentional, not intentional to necessarily you know break his leg, but intentional to foul him in the way that he fouled him, right. which was a very reckless and dangerous tackle. And I just don't like seeing anybody do that kind of a thing in in, in a Schalke kit. So. Um, I mean, I'm willing to give players second chances and everything, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not particularly sad that he's departing, particularly because he wasn't really involved at all in the first half of the season. But uh, hopefully he uh, you know, gets his career back on track with, with uh, Cologne, and I would love to see Cologne back in the Bundesliga, as I think everyone would. Absolutely. And, and another player which I think fell out of favor, uh, we, we're going to see our senior trend here, uh, players that fell out of favor with Tedesco, uh, the first one we're going to mention, Jack, is Baba O'Reilly Rahman. Uh, his his loan terminate his loan has been terminated. The great uh, Irish player, the big Irish player from Ghana. Um, his his loan uh from Chelsea has been terminated. Uh, he's going back. He's probably going to work on another move somewhere else. 
Um, it just never worked out with him. We had lots of hopes that when he came back, because we were hurting at depth at left back in particular, uh, we picked up Hamza Mendil. Uh, since uh, since the beginning of the season, um, how do you feel about this uh, Raman move? Yeah, it's sad. I, I just hope he finds a way to get things back on track. You know, he's he's clearly considered as somebody who has some potential. There's big, you know, big clubs like Chelsea and Schalke that have had him on their squads. It just hasn't found a way to, uh, you know, get back to the form he was in prior to that that really bad injury. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I wish him the best as well. And I, I really, I mean, he seems like a decent, decent dude. So I, you know, I hope he, I hope he figures things out. Marie, what do we make of the performances that he's the, the times that he's played? Because the couple of times he's been there, he seems like he's been a good spark plug and a good motor on the guy, and, and it's a crosses in him. But for whatever reason, I don't know if it's it's, it's purely you know based on what Tedesco's seen in, in in practice or what. But uh, what do you make of 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 Raman's performances this season? Yeah, you know what? I think he's a he's a mystery to me. I saw him play live once, which was at the end of last season in that last home game against Frankfurt, where Schalke won 1-0. And I believe he was a substitute. He came on sometime around the first at the at the end of the first half for an injured player. And he was very good. He was just he was in front of me. So basically, you know, you always sit on one side, of course, of the of the stadium. And he was just going up and down the line and good technical ability. Tried a few things that failed, but kept trying and good crosses. So I, I'm not sure. I think he was he was, had a very good breakout season at Augsburg. Um, I believe it was even under Weinziel that that happened. And then he went to Chelsea and Augsburg were like, you know, overwhelmed because they got so much money for him. But hasn't been the same player since, which has a lot to do with his injury, as you guys mentioned. So... Yeah, not not too sad to see him go, honestly, because he hasn't been a big help for us in that position. Another player that we've talked about numerous times on the show, more 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 so Jack than I, um, but still, uh, this <laughs> player has fell out of favor with Domenico Tede- Domenico Tedesco. There I go, Jack, um, for his partying ways and 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 his uh, attitude, I guess, towards the coach. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Franco Di Santo. Uh, we, we all believe it's Afida Zayn for him. Uh, we don't know where to yet, but, uh, the, the general consensus is that he is, um, he is no longer going to be with the club. Jack, uh, what do we make of this move? Is this, is this finally we just get rid of him and be done with it? Or, or are we losing a potential striker that we, we need to have that kind of depth because of the injuries that we've seen this season? Did we lose Jack? Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. There yeah, we go. sorry, I, I lost my internet connection. Dropped for some reason right in the middle. Of I that thought question. you were just shocked at you know the whole comment. <laughs> <laughs> I was overcome with emotion. About <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same Sorry, Stan. I mean, w- at this point, wouldn't you rather, if, if you're looking for depth, wouldn't you rather that depth be Haji Wright, Katushu, players like that? You know, young players that have a chance of coming through and developing. I- I'm sorry, Franco DeSanto has had plenty of opportunities. To, to make an impact in the side, um, especially in front of goal, and he hasn't done it. And I, I don't think he really deserves additional chances. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, he has a great work rate. He, he's, he had one of the goals of the season last year. <laughs> yeah, against Augsburg, I know, like in December. It was a back heel. Congratulations. Like, what did he do? What was it like four goals? Like, I mean, yeah, listen. I mean, th- that whole that whole tirade he had, I think that was against Bayern Munich maybe, where he gets substituted and then like starts freaking out at Tedesco after he just played a horrible 45 minutes or whatever <laughs> it was. Just grow up, dude. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, he, he's, yeah, he's been relegated, what, to the reserve side for the rest of the season unless he finds a new club? Right, right. Um, 
I, I hope he does find a new club. He still has plenty of his career left, and maybe he'll turn things around elsewhere. Um, you know, he was certainly a, a solid player before he came to Schalke, so it's very possible that he could he could reach those heights uh, again elsewhere. But um, I, I don't think we need him. I don't think he's done the job he was supposed to do in his time here, and I, I think it is time to move on. Marie, uh, I'm curious on your thoughts on him. He the what the few things that he did really really well were the work rate and holding up the ball, but it's just the finishing was not there uh, with Schalke at least. So I'm I'm curious what your thoughts on on the whole De Santo situation. Yeah, I think my first appearance on this podcast was around February last year after the game against Bayern, where we had one of the best performances of the season despite losing. And he built that front three with Embolo, Burgstaller and DeSanto. And he had, he really showed his best there because he was aggressively pushing against the ball. Um, I believe he scored as well in that game. So that's, that's you know, best case DeSanto. Uh, another positive is in the summer preseason when they were getting ready in Austria and a yeah. fan was kind of like saying, dude, you can't score a goal, which is true, but very rude. <laughs> Kind of shouted at him. The, the allegation, <laughs> the allegations of that was me. I've never been confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch that the team kind of rallied around him and sung a song or something. So I think that showed a lot of spirit. And maybe, maybe he's popular in in the squad. I don't know, but honestly, I I have to agree with with Jack that you know let's get rid of him and give the the minutes to Gola and Kutuchu and Haji Wright and whoever else might be waiting in our Knappenschmiede. Well, there's a name that's also causing troubles. It seems like as of late, um, it's a player that I am high on. When he's when he's on his game, he's one of the he's the most foul player in the Bundesliga. Um, I am talking about Amin Harit. Um, for those who haven't heard, he's uh, especially recently they've been talking about he's maybe he's having casino issues. I don't know if he's addicted to going to gambling or what. Um, there's been a lot of issues since the World Cup with him, and he hasn't been the same player as he was last year because of all this stuff. Um, and now there's rumors that he's going to be Shalkov had enough of him, and uh, they're going to ship him out. I saw. Just a couple of days ago, Leon have actually offered 25 million euros for his services. Um, what do you guys make of this whole Harit situation, Jack? Uh, since you're the one who brought this t- to my attention initially, um, it's this is a crazy, crazy six months for Harit. It seems like almost a fall from grace in just about a short amount of time. But let's let's stick to the actual current situation. W- what do you make of all this? Yeah, I don't know if I have many concrete details. So if Marie, if you do have those and you want to fill us in in our audience and on those, feel free to jump in at any point. But um, it's it's I'm hesitating to judge him too harshly just because I I can't imagine what he's he's going through after the incident that took place back in Morocco after after the certainly, World Cup. Certainly. Um, and, and I and I feel like you know he might have been culpable for that incident, but even so, um, I mean that's got a, that's got a way heavy on on your psyche and it's it's hard to kind of have something like that happen and then just get back to football um and and shrug it off so i I don't know if he has developed some of these issues as a as a you know distraction or a coping mechanism or something or if this has just kind of always been an issue with him or if he has disciplinary problems uh outside of that but uh yeah it'd be it'd be really disappointing to lose a player of his talent just because of stuff behind the scenes you know what i mean like he's at his best, he's 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 electrifying and, and, uh, and a really important player for us. And I, I would have loved to 
hold on to him for a little bit longer and perhaps we will but uh yeah i mean if we, if we get some money for him that, that that'd be good but um i'd, I'd much rather keep him and and you know help continue to have him in the side he's he's a young player and has a long career ahead of him you would imagine and uh he's he's been great at times for us so far so it's it's uh it's disappointing and i hope that gets that gets resolved in some way other than us shipping him off to leon or elsewhere yeah at times he is one of the best players on the pitch not just for Schalke. Uh, depending on what kind of mood he's in, Marie, what uh, what do you know of the the whole situation with with Amin Harit? Yeah, so I I have a source I I can't really say who, but in basically the casino thing started last season, and um, Bild then reported when they came out with the story. I think it was in around New Year this season that he actually. It was at the specific casino, the Spielbank Duisburg, which is near Schalke. And I mean, Harit himself said, please, can you ban me from the premises? So, I mean, what a step. That was a really cool move from him. And I guess the club's been helping him behind the scenes. Then, of course, there was that horrible crash where basically he killed a guy. You know, we don't have to beautify it. That's what happened. Um, Whether Obviously not intentionally. You know what I mean? Whether... He was drunk or not? I don't know. He wasn't. Con- he wasn't charged, so there's no point in speculating on that. But he's 21, and um, he's our, you know, has the potential to be our biggest um, star. You know, definitely our most promising footballer from a skills perspective. So I really hope that on the human side, perhaps we can forgive him on some of his shortcomings with a with a disco night out in Porto or whatever and and help him get back on track and i don't think his value is going to go down you know say he gets another round of substitute appearances only in the summer he's going to still be worth a lot of money so i really don't want to see the club sell him Uh, i want to see heidel and tedesco help build him up as i'm sure they've been doing behind the scenes anyway yeah, as we've mentioned on the show many times, he is one of our few X factors on the team, and he he's certainly electrifying. Um, when he's on his game, he's drawing fouls, he's setting up great passes, um, and not to mention the footwork that he has. So I, for one, hope that he uh, they figure this out and, and they keep him here uh, for the long haul, if possible, because uh, he could be a very special player if he can just get it get some goals in the back of the net. Um, let's talk about some players that possibly could come in. Before we get to the awards, um, a name that we know very well, Bernard Tekpeti, uh, we, we've shipped him off this past year uh, to Paderborn, and he's having himself a really, really good campaign. Seven goals, three assists with Paderborn. So Schalke are thinking about bring, uh, using their buyback clause to uh, bring him back to the club. Um, would you guys welcome a move for Tekpeti, or, or has he had his chances and you enjoy him seeing it doing well at Paderborn, but it's time to move on from him. Um, Jack will go with you first. Uh, I, I do think as long as we don't have the injury trouble, we probably have all the players we need up top. Um, and I would kind of rather if he, if he's, if he's performing well at, at Paderborn, I'd kind of not like to disrupt that and take away, you know, the playing time that he's getting everything and just kind of let him ride out the season and continue to develop there. And then, you know, maybe do something with him going into next campaign. Um, it, I mean, it's tough, though, because he was a player that was right on the verge of, of breaking through and just couldn't quite quite get there. But he was in the matchday squad on a number of occasions. He's kind of like, like Adonis, right? Like um, right, somebody that right. was always there and just never really had that final push to, to be consistently um, in the side. But... uh 
Yeah, I don't know. I I do I do feel like we have enough depth up top if everyone just stays healthy. Marie, what do you think? Completely agree with those comments. I just wanted to add something on Arit, and that's that in a way I thought when they brought in Hamza Mendiel in the summer, that was partly for Arid's benefit <laughs> because they know each other from the Moroccan squad um, and they're good friends, they're good pals. So yeah, I yeah, that's that's really all I wanted to say. That's kind of a, a happy side note that I think that was a factor when when they signed his um, co-star from the Moroccan national team. Yeah. Well, we look at players. Or another player that possibly could come in in the rumor mill, and it's Marco Rogue from Napoli. Uh, the 23-year-old has been uh, not getting as much pitch time at Napoli as as he would like. That's uh, a star-studded squad there, so I don't I don't blame the coach for not playing him, but. Uh, he's a very talented Croatian player, uh, an attack-minded player. Again, Jack, this um, he's a very uh, skilled player. We've seen a player like this before, Marco Piazza. Uh, but as you said, we if all our guys are healthy, we have a pretty good attacking unit there. Um, what do you make of a, a possible move for Marco Rogo? I mean, it's, I mean, same thing. Maybe maybe there's a chance he's a slightly higher caliber player, but. Um, I don't know why you bring in over the last, you know, 12 months or so guys like Twyshirt and, 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 uh, <clears throat> uh, script skin people and then just don't give them the minutes that you want to give them. Um, and, and I'm not saying that like guys like Haji Wright and, and Katucho are going to be like massive difference makers in the second half of the season. They're very young. They're very raw. Um, neither of them, despite scoring goals, have really lit the world on fire or anything. So, um, I'm, I'm not saying that they're like the answers to that, but it just, it, Personally, I guess the way I'm looking at this is I'm not really convinced that at this point in time, a new player is going to solve the issues. I think it's I think it's like a tactical thing. I, I think Tedesco thus far has not really demonstrated an ability to to coach this team up offensively. Um, it was because it was a problem last year as well. It wasn't. I mean, even though we finished second, it, I mean, we we talked about it all year, and it hasn't really changed this season. So I think I think we just find it, <laughs> need to find a way to be like more creative and. And uh, you know, present the defenses with different looks, and, and I don't necessarily think it's it's a lack of a lack of talent. I'm not saying we have the greatest squad in the league because we we don't, but um, it, you know, guys like Mbolo and 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 Uten people should be able to get the job done um, if we you know are, are doing the right things in the build up behind them. Marie, guys like Tikpeti and and Marco Rogue, while they're they're nice attacking threats, uh, do you feel that it'd be better to make a move for? Maybe a central central midfielder or or a defender as opposed to an attacking type player. No, I have to say because I am very happy with our midfield, and you know I I really think that Tedesco just has to find his extended arm on the pitch as Goretzka and Nelda were last season. Just that one man who's always going to play, going to keep everything together. I mean that's what Rudy was supposed to be, right? Um, I don't know if he will grow into that role now that he's had a longer winter break with us but we'll see I, I really don't want another central midfield player because we have about five or six <laughs> so I, I don't think that's um, necessary of course we need another central defender I think that's clear we also have Insua out on loan at um, Huesca yeah. in, in Spain so perhaps um, they're planning um, an early yeah recall uh, action you know to bring him back early because he's been getting minutes at the end of the, uh, you know, just in December and November in in Spain, he's kind of forced his way into the team, which is nice to see because he's only 25. 
And yeah, maybe if we if we can bring in someone with quality for the front, kind of like the Piazza transfer last season, which did help, then I would be all for that. I do have to say we have a lot of quality. You know, we have Konoplyanka, we have Arit, we have Embolo, we have Ud, we have Burgstaller, Teuchert and Skripski are very promising. And then we have the guys from the Knappenschmiede in Gola, Kutucu and Haji Wright. So really, we're, we're very well positioned. And I can kind of understand Heidel's patience on the transfer market. Um, another, another. Well, I, I'm in full agreement with all you guys. What, you, what both of you guys are saying. Um, there's a name that they're they're talking about that, that Chalk are trying to get that I'm actually kind of interested to see because uh, while Bergsteller, I love Bergy so much. Um, he's not getting as many goals as I would like. He's he's a good complimentary striker. He as a main striker, you want someone who can get 15 goals a game. Um, a game, yeah, that'd be, that'd a great. game. Well, he's not. Yeah, we need Ronaldo. We need Ronaldo. I'm in a season. <laughs> Um, but a name that this has already has 15 goals this season uh, over in Genk in the in the Belgian league, uh, Mbwana Samata. Uh, he's got 15 goals in 20 league games, 24 goals in 31 games overall across all competitions. He is a goal scorer. Um, if if Schalke were able to get a a goal scorer, I'm not saying this guy's Huntelaar by any stretch or Raúl, but if we found a way to get a cheap, cheaper, uh, high quality scorer. Uh, would you guys be willing to uh, accept that, I guess, or, or or be happy for that? Marie, I'll go with you. Yeah, honestly, I'm sold. Sounds good to me. <laughs> That's a good Vita. And, you know, we saw in the summer what happens when you miss out on a player. I think Heidel was really close to signing Nicolas Pepe um, and had negotiated yeah. a fee, I think, something like $25 million, And then suddenly, I believe he's at uh, Lille, suddenly they wanted... 29 and Heidel was like no 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 and now it's you know really go to Barcelona or Bayern Munich you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah all for a strong um number nine guy in the squad if, if there's something to the rumor then why not and we've seen with arrivals um what what a pivotal a, a good striker can do for your team whether he's starting or coming off the bench a guy who can score goals every game um it's such a value thing to have jack yeah listen i'm not going to be upset about it if it if it happens for a reasonable price it's just not what i think our our focus needs to be in the transfer market because i do think we have enough depth up there to see us through the rest of the season i think i would prefer to have us try to focus on some depth for players like Caligiuri or as marie already said you know maybe as a center back and i think we're about to get to that in a second potentially well, once you said, once you well, yeah. So that, I mean, well, there we go. Yeah. So I mean, one of the other names. I don't know how. I mean, all these things are just kind of speculation. But um, Kevin Mbappu from BSC Young Boys, um, yes. who is, I mean, mostly plays right back for them, but it can play center back as well. Um, and so there's a couple different scenarios. I guess you could imagine him slotting into with the different systems. Tedesco's um, been playing. If he goes back to a back three, then maybe he's like the right most of those of those back three and Stambouli can, can be in the midfield as he has been later in the season where I think he's actually been fairly effective just because of his, um, his abilities on the ball and sort of his calmness and possession and everything is, but you play a pass um, or potentially, you know, if it's a, if it's a back four, he can play right back and maybe even uh, have Calgary put uh, push further up the pitch um, and, and try to get forward into those um, wide areas where he's really effective at, at delivering, crosses and everything which we haven't seen as much from him this season so um if that was a move that were to happen i would be all for that 
Marie, this he sounds like a Schalke type player, doesn't he? He does. I I really like this player. He's he seems to have a good personality too. I saw one of the games in the Europa League and he was like a really emotional leader type guy and yeah, I think you know, there are a lot of clubs looking at him now, but I do think Schalke is still a destination that young players want to go to. So I, I do think we, we have a shot. And I think it's a really good point that Jack made. Why not push Caligiuri up the field? Um, we know he's good with crosses. We know he hasn't been good with that this season. But I read an article recently from the about the training camp in, in Spain. And he's been really training that and working on that. And it's really irked him that it hasn't been working out. And then in the test match, it was like, free not free kick sorry corner kick Caligiuri and then goal Mark Ut, which is what we want to see so yeah I think Kevin Mbabu he's he's young he's 23 years old um he his yeah I think that would be a, a really quality signing for us to make any other names that you guys are hearing before we move on well there's Weston McKenney to Liverpool from yesterday <laughs> <laughs> yeah ah, the sun yeah. Oh, hello, the sun. No, the reliable rubbish, sun. Rubbish paper, yeah. <laughs> let's let's hope that, I mean, obviously they wanted Christian Pulisic and they, they failed to get him, so they want to get another American maybe, but I hope they just keep away from him. Yeah, forever, I mean, we, we we love Weston, but we know this is too too early for him and I don't think it's realistic. I think he has the potential to be that kind of flay in the future because he's that aggressive midfielder type that yeah. Liverpool always appreciates, but... Yeah, I think we can dismiss that rumor out of hand. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that I think wraps up the transfers and moves talk. Um, I hope you both have dressed formally because we got some awards to give out. Let's do this. All right, we try to end this podcast on a positive note, as positive as we can. So we we made all the awards uh, in a fairly positive light, but if they go dark, uh, you can't blame us considering the season we've had so far. Um, let's start things off with uh, the best match. Um, I'm curious. Uh, for, I'll, I'll, we'll go to the guests first to see what, hear what you think. Uh, Marie, hmm. uh, what do you consider as the best match of the season for Schalke? I am going to cheat and say it's the two, two-way tie against Galatasaray in the Champions League because, I mean, I was in Istanbul for the first game, thought it was a really good tactical, um, yeah, tactical showing with really good players. Seada was on the field, Mark Ud played in that midfield role for what I believe was the first time and they were very unlucky not to score. I also thought it was really great showing from Nübel not to be intimidated by the incredible atmosphere they call it the hell of istanbul which is you know very true and then the second um match leg again i mean auf schalke i was so annoyed because my tv my streaming provider basically didn't work at the beginning so i didn't see that spectacular burgstaller goal but i thought that was a, a really good game too both tactically and emotionally you know the fans were really with the team in those two matches so that's been my highlight. Jack, how about you? Uh, I'm actually going to go with the opener against Wolfsburg, just from a pure like entertainment factor. But like, if you're interpreting best match in that sense, like I think that that was a two-one. It was a loss, 
but there was some VAR drama. There were some goals scored. It looked like Schalke at one point could even maybe go on and, and nab the winner before they conceded late. Um, I think you saw a, a goal and a penalty conceded from from John Brooks. So from the American yeah. perspective, that was yeah. wild as well. So that was just that was just a crazy game to start off the season, and unfortunately, probably foreshadowed a little bit of what Schalke was going to be experiencing. But um, yeah, that was my best match from at least like an entertainment standpoint, perhaps. Um, no, that that game certainly had everything in that one <laughs> to start the season. Uh, we did a Twitter poll where we uh, we asked the same question, uh, and a couple of games I listed on there was a Stuttgart win at the end of the end of the Hinrunde, uh, the Nuremberg match when uh, Schalke won five two, uh, the Hanover win three one, and and see who others had uh, other games. Someone mentioned the Galatasaray match, like you said, Marie. Um, my 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 best match for me, at least from um, why well, may, may have not been the prettiest prettiest football. I think the, the win against Nuremberg, we got to see five goals in that game. It was, ha- it was half the season's uh, output at that point. Uh, it was just nice to see Schalke scoring goals again. And, and it had been like five years, six years since Schalke scored five goals in a game. So, uh, that was my, that was my best match just because I was just happy. It was like letting out some anger and got, finally got to see some goals. I was just like, okay, finally, okay, we can score goals. It's not just, uh, uh, it's not just a foregone conclusion. So that's my best match. Uh, these are all good shout outs there. Um, since we talk about best match, let's talk about most disappointing loss. Um, who wants to start this one? Ruby, do you <laughs> want to go with that one? Sure. Let me think about this because there have been, you know, there's a lot of choice. <laughs> um, honestly, I didn't think the derby was that disappointing because it was kind of to be expected. I know that sounds sounds rough, but it would have to be. Can it be a tie? Is that allowed? <laughs> Go for sure, it. Sure, you're a guest. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> so I have to say the the zero zero against Leipzig for me was the real low point of the season. We had something like fifty seven percent of balls that met the person they were intended for the in terms of passing statistics. And afterwards, the coach and the players were kind of like, "Yeah, we we did what we wanted to do, and we're happy." And I just thought it was such anti anti fußball, and it was. I thought it was outrageous and atrocious. And I thought, I mean, as a fan, I was really disappointed from the way that Schalke showed themselves in that match. Jack, how about you? So I'm going to pick a match that I feel like might be surprising, um, given the nature of the opponent. But I'm actually going to pick the two nil loss against Bayern Munich on match day four. Um, this, if if anyone listened to that pod, that was probably the closest I've gotten to like an Arsenal fan TV type rant on a podcast, <laughs> which which is probably good that we stay away from that generally because it's you know it's a little clickbaity. But um, the reason I was so disappointed in that isn't because we lost two 0 to Bayern Munich, which is not you know uh, that's that's a fairly respectable scoreline against the team of of that caliber. But it was just the way we approached that game. All we did in that game was just hoof long balls up the field hoping that maybe somebody could somehow run onto the end of one and, and get a breakaway or just trying to keep the ball as far away as possible from our own net. We didn't try to play football at all. We completely abandoned the short passing game. It was, I've been mean, watching that game. I was like, how is this our game plan? Like, what are we even trying to accomplish right here? I mean, there's no point in playing the match if you're going to uh, approach it that way. We, we were ridiculously anti-football. Um, and I think we just kind of capitulated to the opponent. And that was why it was so disappointing. Uh, for me, I mean, I guess the way I look at these Bayern games is, um, 
we're, we're probably going to lose when we play Bayern. It just it is what it is. And so if that's the case, you might as well go out and try to do something. You know what I mean? We don't really have anything to lose when we play a team like Bayern. Um, I'd like to say that we, you know, we can play more cautiously because we have a chance of winning these things. But if we're being realistic, we do not have a good record against them in recent years. So I, I would rather just kind of like, you know, go for broke and see what happens than than take the approach that we did earlier in the year. And that why that's why I was so disappointed in that one. And that was also the uh, the Franco DeSanto outburst and Weston McKinney got <laughs> injured by James Rodriguez, who didn't even pick up a yellow card for that bad tackle. So it was just a bad game all the way around. Uh, as I predicted, no, we're, we're, none of us are picking on the same the same uh, games or anything like that. Um, no, those are two great two great shouts there. Um, I did a Twitter poll. Uh, some of the games I threw out there was Bremen game we lost two nothing, the Eintracht debacle which we lost three nothing, the River Derby just to put in there because um, it is what it is, and then see what other people had to say. Initially, I wanted to go with that Frankfurt game because I was so disappointed in, in the way Schalke played. But then I looked, I really thought about it. And I'm like, you know what? Eintracht really just played really, really well. There's nothing we could have done about it. It wasn't that we played poorly. It was Eintracht just played really, really well. The game that I'm, I'm the game that I'm going to choose is the Bremen game because uh, at that point we had just had a three game win streak. We looked like we were turning things around. It looks like they, we were around the corner, ready to be back to playing the way we we expect to be playing. And we go into that Bremen game and just to completely capitulate. Um, Agustin had two goals in the games where two goals where nobody was marking him and, um, and there's nothing that Nubel could have done for those goals. But I was just so disappointed in the way the team showed up. It looked like we were on a five game losing streak, not a three game win streak. I expected them to put up a fight in that game at least at the very minimum. And they didn't do that. It looked like it looked like it was just Bremen doing what they wanted to do. And uh, frankly, a two nothing scoreline was flattering. Um, there's plenty of games to choose from this season so far, uh, but uh, that's the game that irked me the most as the most disappointing. All right. Um, we did talk about best match, but uh, best performance. What, what match do you think Schalke had their best performance in? Um, I'll, I'll give you, I'll, I'll go with mine first just so you guys can see where I'm going with this. Um, I'm going to go with the Cologne DFB Pokal match. Uh, at that point in the season, um, Schalke were not doing very well. I actually, going into the game, I thought Schalke had a good chance of getting eliminated in this game. Uh, both both this game and then I think uh, Dortmund were playing. Um, Union Berlin, both those clubs were looking like, looked like the two big clubs were going to get eliminated and both clubs went into, into extra time. Schalke found a way to, to, to keep fighting and then uh, eventually Mark Uth got the game winner in penalty kicks uh, and it looked like his season had been turning around at that point, but I thought Schalke made a good effort despite... The form that we were in, they they kept themselves in the game. Yes, it's a it's a, a Schweizer Bundesliga team, but uh, come on, Cologne is, is really a Bundesliga club. Really, um, I thought Schalke did really well in that game to to fight um, and and get the win in that. Uh, let's go, Jack. What about you? Uh, I'm going to go with the Nuremberg one you you mentioned earlier. Obviously, the caliber of the opponent isn't particularly great, and so it kind of lessens the impact of of that five two scoreline but as you said it was i think it was something that just kind of emotionally all the fans and probably the players as well needed just to put in a performance like that and, and get all get all those goals um it, it was just great to see and i think we played some some pretty fluid attacking football at times in that game which has been a rarity this season um and also if you wanted to kind of approach this question from an individual performance thing um that was uh Skripke's first start in the Bundesliga, and i believe he had a brace in that game as well um, you know, and he obviously grew up being a, a Schalke supporter. So playing against, you know, a, a club like Nuremberg, that you know, the two teams have a relationship and everything. That was probably a pretty special uh, occasion for him personally. Yeah, that was absolutely a great game. Marie, uh, what about you? Best performance? 
yeah, for me, same has to be the game against Nuremberg. And I also thought it was so beautiful to see that entire stadium um, choreography before kickoff. Oh, that was that great. Was that was very great. unique in, in European football. And yeah, really excited about Skripski from that performance. I know we have a tendency to <laughs> hype players early, so let's not call him the next Sané or Draxler. <laughs> but um, yeah, he showed some things that you can't really teach, you know, instinct, making the right decision when you don't have space with the ball, um, seeing your, seeing the better position player, see, having that nose for goal, as we call it. So yeah, even from even just from his perspective, definitely a really exciting match for all of us to see. All right, a little bit of agreement there. Let's uh, let's see if we can keep that going. Uh, this should be an interesting one here. Best goal of the season, um, uh, Maria. I'll throw it right back at you. Uh, what you what do you think was the best goal of the season for you? Embolo, <laughs> yes, of course. Um, for me, it has to be Embolo against Gladbach. I thought oh, yeah, that, was that was a good goal. <laughs> a very, very cool goal. Uh, with a lot of power and technique. Um, and really cool for him as well because I never know, you know, quite what's up with him because he has a lot of potential, but then he misses, you know, at, at you know, blank rage in front of goal. So really good to see him hit the target there. Jack, how about you? Are you still thinking about the Santo that you lost the words there? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Jack, you there? He can't remember a single goal we scored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry about this. this. This has not happened to Richard and I all season. I don't know why my internet has dropped twice tonight. I, I really apologize for that. Um, where were we? Oh, what is your best goal of the season? Best goal of the season. Okay. Um, So when I was initially looking at this question, I was like, well, there can't be that many to choose from. I think there actually were more than I expected there to be. Uh, (laughs) Emotionally, the answer for me is is McKenney's stoppage time header and winner against Moscow because that was McKenney's opening his account um, in the Champions League and it was a Champions League winner. It was was a I mean, I was uh, listening slash watching the very end of that game while I was at the office at work and I definitely kind of jumped out of my chair and went <laughs> running down <laughs> the, uh, the row of cubicles and, uh, probably not like fire, fire, yeah, probably not too incognito there for my, uh, for my superiors. <laughs> uh, but that, that was, that was kind of the emotional one for me. Um, and then aesthetically, uh, maybe Mbolo against Porto. Um, I think the first match, uh, McKinney won a header, kind of around midfield, uh, won a great aerial, and then Serdar oh, ran yeah. up, it, played McKenney forward, and then McKenney played across to Mbolo, who slotted home. Um, it was just a kind of goal that we hadn't seen Schalke score that often this season. A lot of our goals this season had been sort of, uh, you know, things bouncing around in the box, kind of sloppy, you know, half chances that we've kind of knocked in, and this yeah. was a fluid counterattacking move and kind of stood out uh, for that for that reason. And then uh, I'll do <laughs> a third one just for honorable mention. Um, as far as like a you know a crazy solo effort goes, I would go Daniel Caligiuri's um, kind of like half volley against Augsburg from from way outside the box, which was yeah, uh, really cool. that was a nice goal too. Yeah, that was I remember that goal. That goal was crazy as well. I, I, lo- I when I went in, I was like, oh, that's a beautiful goal. Um, I went something a little bit more personal for me. Um, being as an American, I love when I see the Americans score. And to see the Americans, the American connection, Weston McKinney assisting to Haji right for his first goal. It wasn't the prettiest goal ever, 
Uh, but I just I just enjoyed seeing it. How often you get to see an American pass to an American in the Bundesliga for a goal. <laughs> so that, that that like I said, personal personal opinion for me, and it's, that's gonna be my best goal the best goal of the season. I'm sure that doesn't make. Uh, I could pick 100 100 Schalke fans that probably would make their list. So, um, uh, so from there, let's go to comeback player of the year. Um, Jack, comeback player of the year for you. It's hard with the season. I know. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um. Comeback player of the year. Dude, this this one's stumping me, honestly. I don't I don't know what I want to say for, for this one. Um maybe Bastian Ochipka, just because he was injured early on and kind of like wasn't a factor and then came in late in the season and, and put in some good performances. Um but I guess the way I normally interpret that is just a player that was sort of underperforming that that kind of came through and and, and and improved to some extent and and surprised everybody. Um, I guess I think I think that maybe the player that we named last year would have been Max Meyer, right? Who had been kind of on this career plateau and then yeah, yeah. was transformed in that number six role. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd be interested to hear what you guys would have to say. Uh, Marie, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, just to stretch the definition of comeback a bit, someone who hasn't really been on our radar that much um, and really come out this season was Alex Nubel in, in goal. And yeah. he got, he was really, you know, thrown, he had a kind of fire baptism. He was given the opportunity when we had like um, a week with a lot of fixtures or I think it was a two or three week span with the Champions League and the Bundesliga. And um, he he did really well and he, he was what really impressed me the most for a young goalkeeper is his composure. It wasn't just his saves on the line. I think against Galatasaray in Istanbul, he saved one ball of his head. I'm not sure if that was luck, <laughs> but it was a really cool save. <laughs> um, but he he was very composed. And what to me was a, a real difference to Fehrmann is that he his passing is so good. You know, you can yes. play him in, in, in the game, but also just... Even just when he catches the ball and starts an attack, he he really knows what he's doing and he gets the ball to his fellow players. So I I really like that. Yeah, that's a good shout. And Richard and I had talked about that. How um, the one thing that I think is missing from Fairman's game at time is is his distribution um, mm-hmm. from from deep. And Nubel was a breath of fresh air in that regard. And it speaks volumes to the 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 impact he made on the fans, even brief with his appearances. That you know Fairman has a couple games at the end of the season where he isn't playing that well and suddenly every everyone's clamoring for for Nubel, which really shows you know how well he must have played in his in his in his brief opportunities yeah he looks like a prototypical sweeper keeper um very much in a similar mold to like uh emmanuel neuer or church Dagen, guys who can really distribute the ball with both their feet and their hands um uh certainly certainly get the attack going so that's uh now that's a great shot there uh, for me, I went with, um, I guess a career comeback, maybe, possibly, uh, and that is, uh, we'll stick with the American, uh, Haji Wright. He, a couple years ago, as an 18 year old, we thought, there's no chance this guy'd be playing Bundesliga. You know, once he went to Soundhausen, I was like, we're never gonna see him again, probably. Um, the fact that he kept working hard, yeah, he didn't have a good, at, at Soundhausen, came back to the Schalke 2, kept pushing on the reserve squad, and finally got a chance with, with like 25 strikers being injured for Schalke. He gets his opportunity, he, and I think he's done well so far with his opportunity. Um, he's he's certainly a breath of, breath of fresh air, and I think uh, he keeps at this uh, keeps at it the way he's doing right now. He's going to be giving Tedesco um, something to think about as far as 
you know, keep him on the bench or, or playing him or not or whatnot. So um, that's going to be my comeback player of the year there. Uh, sticking on that same similar note, um, most improved. Um, I'm going to go with Benjamin Stambouli mostly because he he's known as a midfielder, but he's been playing center back last year. We kind of thought of him as a lot. Well, we, we loved him back there uh, with Naldo and Tilo Kerr. He was a little bit of a liability, give up penalties and the wrong opportunities and stuff like that. But this season, he's been starting to shift lately towards a midfield role, and it seems like it'd be a role that he's perfectly suited for. And uh, he's been getting stronger every time he's been in the in the in the games. I, I feel more comfortable with him this season uh, than I had in the past. And I thought, uh, to me, uh, he was most uh, improved in in that respect. Uh, let's go, Marie. Weston McKenney. <laughs> ah. Yeah, I've become a really big fan of him, as I'm sure you guys are too, because he has that grit and that spirit, which we like to see as fans, those kind of intangible qualities that you don't see in statistics. Um, and he can play anywhere on the field. And Tedesco really trusts him to do that too. You know, we've seen him as a right back. We've seen him as a defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder, striker. And that's really extraordinary at his age that there's so much trust built around him. And by the way, I don't, I know some cynical voices are saying, oh, you know, it's just because he's American and we want to push those commercial aspects. I think that's a lot of bullshit because I think he's really promising from a sporting perspective. And um, I really think he's improved at a very tough time for the team as a whole. I think he's made um, personal strides. Jack? Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Weston McKinney, doesn't it? I mean, he wasn't a striker at all last year, and now he's a regular striker and starting derbies. So, I mean, he's improved so much at the striker position. It's incredible. Um, but jokes aside, uh, <laughs> I, I do expect him to play goalie at some point if uh, <laughs> Fairman continues his bad bad performances. <laughs> I think everyone's waiting for that. Um, my my most improved player is going to be the one that you named, Richard, for, for comeback, and that's um, Haji Wright. Uh, I mean, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned, we – you know, when players reach a certain age and they haven't broken in to at least, you know, like kind of like getting spots on like amongst the subs for matches, you start to wonder if if they're really going to have a future at the club. And um, that that loan to Sandhausen did not go very well for him at all. And um, it, it looked like maybe he was he was trying to find another club this summer and that didn't happen. So he was just kind of going to be stuck at Schalke um, for at least the first half of the season, you know, uh, with, with the reserves and. Um, yeah, he had some, some injury luck, uh, that maybe contributed to him getting an opportunity and he hasn't been incredible by any stretch of the imagination in, in those opportunities. But, um, I do think he's acquitted himself fairly well in, in the fact that he's, um, getting some regular minutes at the end of the first half of the season is not something that I think any of us would have anticipated, um, last year or potentially even, even this summer. So for that reason, he's, he's my most improved player. Can I can no. I jump in just because yeah. we're yeah. talking about all our Americans? <laughs> um, have you had anything recently about Nick Titegu with the under nineteens? Yeah, he, we have. Okay, yeah, let, let's hear it because he's I think perhaps the most promising out of the three from a talent perspective. Yeah, so he um, I think he actually just finished up camp with um, yeah with American squad. Yeah, so he was he was back in the states, got a call up to the national team. Um, so he he just finished up that. Uh, he has the potential to be at. Uh, one of the youth world cups this summer, if, if Schalke release him, um, 
he's a player that, that's had a lot of injury trouble, which is why it's, he hasn't really been able to gain a lot of traction. But I do think he's held in, in pretty high esteem amongst the, uh, you know, the Schalke youth coaches and the people that are in charge of, of that system. Um, and he is uh, kind of a unique talent in some stretch. Uh, I, I went on the, uh, the Scuffed podcast, which is an American – uh, U.S. Men's National Team Player Pool podcast, um, talking about uh, the American players that are at Schalke's system. And what I said about Nick Tytog at the time was, um, I don't think Schalke has a player like him, except for maybe Amin Harit. Um, that's like the closest comparison I can make. And yeah. so if it's, if at some point Domenico Tedesco decides he wants more players like that in the side or depth, at that kind of position, or if for some reason Harit ends up moving on, I think that would be a potential opportunity for for Nick to to, to get up to the senior team. So that's kind of thing where I think things stand with him at the moment. But hopefully he's con- he's able to continue um, staying healthy and and putting in good performances uh, with the youth sides uh, here in the Rook Renda. And, and you know who knows, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Another another name that's been doing pretty well for, for the Schalke youth squads is uh, Zion Jones. Is uh, he's been putting a lot of good performances. I saw a nice goal he had in one of the games uh, in December. So uh, he's another name that's going to be popping up on the radar soon. He's fresh, more fresher than than, than Nick is as far as being uh, with Schalke. He's he's new, newer to the squad, but um, he's another one to look out for because uh, he's another exciting player. Uh, attacking type player that uh, Shaka could certainly use in the future. Hopefully, he keeps continuing developing in, in that regard. But yeah, uh, Nick seems like a definitely an exciting type player, and he's he from what I what I, what I saw online is that he's had a pretty good camp there with the American team, and uh, um, hopefully, uh, he can translate back into uh, Shaka and then continue on from there. And hopefully, we'll see him sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, he's he's Weston McKenney's roommate, isn't he? So you have to think that Weston <laughs> yeah. Weston's going to be putting in you know. <laughs> A good word for him here or there if there's an opportunity for that as well. Giving him all the protein shakes every morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I just wanted to add, um, in the summer when I spoke with Norbert Elgert, the under-19 coach, um, I, I did have a part of the interview where I asked him about all the American players developing at Schalke. I didn't end up printing it just because it's not um, as interesting to our very general audience for the for the yeah. online paper, but... Um, yeah, he seemed really keen on on Nick um, and just, you know, said patience, patience, patience because of his injuries. But he did say that he believes he can have a professional career, which is really, really nice to hear. Yeah, it's very exciting. So uh, since we're talking about uh, creative type players, um, this is going to be a hard category to pick. Uh, best creative player so far this season. Uh, it's going to be a hard choice. Uh, Marie, uh, for you, who was uh, your best or most creative player? Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. This is more like most creative answer, right? That's what this has to be. <laughs> <laughs> Franco Di Santo. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, I thought of saying Oud for a second just because he's played out of position. But he hasn't had that many good appearances. You know, that was only at the end before his injury. I think Conan Plianka. I know he's a an emotional person, a very polarizing figure. But every time that he's come on as a sub, he's done something. He's fast. He has tempo. He's very quickly integrated into the match. You know, he's a player that other players look for on the field. So, yeah, I think he he's shown some of that creative flair, which, which he was signed for originally. 
Jack, how about you? Yeah, this is this is a real tough one. Um, part of me wants to give it to Skripsky just because I think his movement up top is something that is a little bit different from the other strikers we have. Um, I, I tend to notice that he just he just makes different runs than other people do off the ball. It seems like um, maybe maybe Bentaleb gets a shout here as well. Um, but it, the way the midfield's been set up is it's changed so many times. So you know sometimes he's playing in a more of a deeper role and isn't consistently in a you know attacking midfield role. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. This is, this is a tough one. Um, kind of Plianka is, is yeah he he is who he is. I've kind of soured on him a little bit recently just because he just yeah, I, I just don't think he he converts enough. But um, he he is a spark plug and he does give us something that I think uh, we don't have a lot of in the side, which is just that player that can just go straight at the defense and take a player on one and one and try to beat somebody and make something happen. So I don't think that's a bad shout for Murray. Um, you know, we all want to pick Amin Harit, but he hasn't had uh, a greatest of second season so far this year. Um, really for me, it came down with a tie and it was really someone who won. I didn't think was in that creative role. And then the other guy, maybe, uh, Daniel, Ber- uh, Daniel, Ber- <laughs> I combined the names now. Uh, Guido Bergstaller, uh, and Daniel Caligiri, um, both, you know, Caligiri with his assist, uh, his, his playmaking ability. When he, when he does go up, he, he makes some opportunities, but Bergstaller, he's been, he's been doing creatively, offensively, like trying to set up plays. He had one play, in, uh, I, I want to say it's a Nuremberg game, maybe, where he took on two guys at once and went around and got a great assist to, I think, Uth or, or Swat Serger or someone like that, uh, for the goal. Um, he's been doing a lot with the ball away from goal, trying to create opportunities. And, uh, so for those two, two players, they, with their passing abilities, I went with a creative player, but it's, it's, it's a hard pick, hard choice to make, uh, this season, the way things are going, clutching at straws, really. I'm going to try to bring some optimism to the podcast real quick and make a bold prediction <laughs> in that. How dare you? <laughs> in that, uh, my bold prediction, which you can yell at me for later if this turns out to be a horrible, horrible take is that we may be talking about Suat Serdar as most creative player once the season's over and we're doing, you know, the 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 Rook Runner version of this podcast. I, I, I still believe in him, but I think he has the ability to create some things out of midfield for us, and I'm hoping he pulls that off in the second half. Yeah, really good, really good shout. My boss at work is actually a huge Mainz fan, and he was devastated when Serdar went to Schalke, kind of saying, this has been our best player for years. And he he's shown that at times, especially in the Champions League. I think there have been occasions where he's had really good games. So I I hope you're right. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he certainly has the talent uh, to, to to do well. Well, this, he has to put it together. He's had a couple flashes here uh, towards the end of the Henrunda. So let's see what he can do in the Rook Runda. Um, hopefully, Jack. I will be calling Jack a genius at the end of this. So. Uh, moving on, um, another hard category to pick, super sub, um, let's say the best sub that Chalk's had in the first half of the season. Uh, I, I just, I picked someone who had the most subs that I, I could remember. Um, it's Weston McKinney it was a guy who we expected to be the starter, but he kept coming off the bench. And when he did come off the bench, um, he was like a pit bull out there and he was, uh, instant, you instantly noticed him when he was out there and caused, caused havoc. I don't know if it's because of his fresher legs or what, or just because his his uh, personality. But um, he always did well. It seemed when he came off the bench uh, in in games. Uh, Jack, how about what about you as far as substitutions? Yeah, hundred percent agreement. I think it's got to be McKinney for the reasons you just mentioned. I, I think it. I think it is fresh legs. 
to some extent. Um, but it, it, it does seem that he kind of jumps off the screen a little bit more in substitute appearances than when he's in the match from the very beginning. Um, because he does have he does bring so much energy to the match, and a lot of times if he comes out at the seventy eighth minute, that's something that the match is is probably lacking at that point. So, um, you know, I'd love to see McKenny start a little bit more frequently, but I do think he's probably the uh, the best super sub. Uh, Marie, are you going to make this three for three, or do you have someone else in mind? Three for three. <laughs> that's the first one we have tonight. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I think just in terms of like effect on the match, it reminds me a bit. Obviously, it's a stretch as because positionally and talent-wise perhaps even, but it reminds me a bit of Sané, um, Leroy Sané at the beginning of his career at Schalke where he was brought in in the 70th or 80th minute and just like really put his stamp on the game and, and changed the way we work up front. And McKenney has that impact too. So really, really happy for him. All right, so this next category is a biggest surprise and normally we take a positive spin on this, but if you can't think of anything you want to take it negative uh we can't fault you considering how the season's gone so far um i'll, I'll start with mine just to show you where i'm going with this uh my biggest surprise and it's kind of what um marie was talking a little bit about earlier and it's alexander noble i knew he was a a talented young keeper but when he came in for fairman for those those handful of games he impressed me a lot especially the distribution that we talked about um he did not seem out of his element that that first game against Bremen, those two goals uh, from Agassi, and I don't I don't blame him on those. It's really the defending which takes the blame on that. And then he's made he made some fantastic saves while he was in there. And and as Jack said, I mean when Fairman has uh, the yips every now and then, fans start claiming for for Nubel, and it's for a reason because he's been playing really well, and they want to see how he does. And the last thing Schalke fans want to see is this guy go somewhere, take his talent somewhere else, because. Uh, sweeper keepers are becoming the norm around around the world now. It seems like it's becoming integral to to the attack just as much as the defense. So, uh, for me, Alexander Nubel is the biggest surprise. Uh, uh, Marie, how are you? I, I'm very good. <laughs> so my biggest. <laughs> oh, you said how about you? I thought you said how are you. <laughs> I thought well, how are you too? How I are thought you, you said how are you as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, I'm going to take a positive too because I think we all need some positivity around Schalke, and for me, it's just the calmness around the club overall. You know, Tedesco has never been questioned. The, even in the winter pause, of course, there were there was some uproar around the Naldo transfer, but everyone. You know, no one is doubting, for example, that Schalke is going to stay in the league. Um, and that's quite something after five losses to start and some really somber um, performances. So I really appreciate that calmness because it's, um, it's not normal for Schalke that in a phase like this, that is a given. And I'm really glad we're not throwing everything in the trash just because it's been a surprisingly bad Hinrunde. That, How about you, Jack? Yeah, that's a that's a great shout. Um, I, I love that sentiment, and I think I think you're right. Like the fact that we can have the kind of season that we've had and uh, not have Schalke feel quite as chaotic as as maybe it has felt in seasons when we're in and around European places over the last five six years um, is 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 a welcome you know change of change of events. Um, I personally feel I mean and this is me watching the games back you know from the Chicago area. So I'm not obviously I'm not in the stadium and I don't really you know get a full sense of things. But the first time I really felt like the the fans ever even turned on the club was maybe during that Leverkusen match. Um, mm. And and for for that I mean that, that was so late in the season that was the second to last. Uh, game of the of the first half. So for that to be the first moment where I felt like there was some significant 
you know, discontent being voiced. That that's a pretty incredible uh, statement. So I, I like that from Marie. But uh, I am going to bring the storm clouds in here real quick. <laughs> I hate to do that. Um, <laughs> biggest surprise. It's got to be Rudy, guys, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I mean that that to me, as I said earlier in the, near the beginning of the pod, is I thought that was kind of a no brainer signing. Um, you know, sure thing, kind of had to go at least fairly well, and it's been so disappointing so far um I, i'm optimistic and i really hope he's able to turn it around and i know we saw some quotes from him coming out of training camp that he wants to become a leader on the side and and uh you know it really really have a, have a very different second half than he did the first half but um you know for for a player of of that caliber um to just be so anonymous in so many matches and just really disappointing it, i was just, i was just shocked by it I, I did not expect it at all well, a better way to uh, move on, move forward, is just, you know, standing up to what you were disappointed about and, and leave it past you and go on. So, uh, great shout out, Jack. Um, this is going to be another hard one. Uh, best signing, considering what the, how well or not well the signings have done. Uh, we just talked about Rudy here, how disappointing he was, uh, disappointing he has been. I mean, um, has there been a best signing for you? Uh, I'm gonna go with Jack. Back to you, because I know it's not gonna be Rudy. I think it's uh, Salif Sane from from Hanover. Um, it, I, I don't think he's been perfect in in the first half, and I think Schalke defensively has has definitely taken a step back from last year, and they haven't quite been at that level. Um, but overall, I mean, I think he's played maybe the second or third most games this season next to Caligiri and Bentaleb in terms of like appearances. Um, so he's been, you know, a consistent presence at the back for us, which has been really important. And uh, I think overall he's, he's, he's played pretty well. He hasn't made a huge impact, you know, on the offensive end like Nala did last year. And he maybe isn't the best um, with the ball at his feet, uh, like somebody like Stambouli would be playing, playing uh, as a center back. But um, overall, I mean, for what was it like 8 million that we got him for? That's that's a great bit of business, I think. Um, you know, he's still fairly young, has a lot of his career left, and he could be an important contributor for many years to come. Marie, uh, how are you? But also, how about how about you? <laughs> <laughs> I I agree uh, with Jack. I think Salif Sane has been really consistent. I think the best case scenario for a centre back is honestly if we don't talk about him because <laughs> it means things are going well and. You know, he's been, yeah, a little boring at times. You know, he's, he's not an Aldo with, with a head of goals or anything, but he's been reliable and that's really good to hear. Also, very impressive how quickly as a central defender, he he slots into the team and plays well with the people around him. Uh, very good, very good. Um, I went with um, Salif Sane, I mean, uh, the other ones have been really inconsistent or have injury plagued. Uh, Mark Uth had a turnaround, it seemed like, but then he got injured. Um, Smart Serdar up and down. Rudy's been mostly down. Hamza Mendil mostly down. Uh, but yeah, Salif Sane, he's been the one few, one of the few consistent, consistent players on the, on the, on the pitch for Schalke as far as on the score sheet or on the, on the sign-up sheet. So, um, yeah, he's he's we what we thought like him and Nalda were gonna be the back pairing going into this season, or maybe you know even the back three of him, those two and Nastasic and uh, Sane has really been in there every time, and he's uh he's become a uh, a leader on that back line. A lot of what Jack has already said, I can't you know I don't want to uh, repeat too much, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna go with that. Best signing is uh, Salif Sane. Um, two more two more to go, and then we will wrap this up. Um, 
player of the year, another one, a hard one to pick, uh, considering the circumstances. Um, Marie, let's go back to you. Uh, player of the year. Weston McKenney for me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really all. I mean, I've said everything about him. I'm really excited about where his journey is going. And um, also, if we take it as player of the year, calendar year, he's improved, you know, like like a line going up on a chart. So I'm really, really happy to have him with us. Jack, uh, who's your player of the year? I'm going to go with Nabil Penteleb. Um, I think uh-huh. he was one of the best and most consistent players for us uh, in, in the first half. And... Uh, I mean, with the exception of, I think, the Derby, which Caligiuri scored that penalty, because I think maybe Bentel had just been subbed off. I think he's pretty much knocked in every other single one we've had this season. And, uh, I mean, just imagine where we would be in the table and in other competitions if we had not had (laughs) him (laughs) coming through. I mean, like, you know, yeah, he missed one in the penalty shootout against uh cologne but he's he's the reason that we were even in extra time to begin with because he had he, he made one in regulation so um but yeah but I mean, even beyond his, his his penalty taking which is phenomenal i think he's been a fairly consistent presence and uh if anything maybe just slightly hindered by um all of the rotation that we had mentioned in the midfield and so if he gets a more consistent role going forward um and maybe more consistent um people around him uh i think he can even improve beyond this i think he has the potential to become uh i mean he's, he's been sort of a weird weird headed player in the past you don't really know how he is you know in terms of his, his mood or his disposition but I, I do think he has the potential to maybe become a leader in the side going forward and we thought the early this season uh, a pairing with him and i mean harit they looked excellent together um, I'd be curious to see how those two plus uh, Weston McKinney together, how they would do, because I think um, the aggressiveness, the, the skills uh, are there to cause problems. And he's got to find a, a proper six, I think, maybe Benjamin Sambouli, uh, somebody there who can uh, tr- help the transition from, from defense to midfield to attack. So um, no, that's great. those are two great shots there. Uh, I'm going to go with, I don't know, it's hard for me, I, I Clutching the straws again, um, maybe just because I like the guy so much. Uh, Daniel Calagiri, I thought he had a season started not that well, but I think once his um, his dance partner uh, Bastian Ochipka came back, he's been <laughs> back to back to playing the way we expect him to play, attacking more down the uh, down the pitch, um, getting some crosses in, crosses in, and um, uh, he leads the team with two assists for, for, whatever, for whatever that's worth, but. Um, that's gonna be my player of the year, but uh, it was hard again with the, for me to pick, and I, I like both of your shouts there, so uh, no qualms there. Um, all right, let's wrap this up with uh, your your best starting eleven, however formation you want to do it. Um, Jack, uh, let's go with you. This is tough. Um, I'm gonna go. I mean, sorry, I'm assuming we're interpreting this in in, in sort of uh, the best starting eleven based on the performances so far, and not what we think like the ideal one would be if everyone's playing up to their abilities. Um, up to whatever, whatever you want to do. It. I'm going to go uh, a back four of uh, Ochipka, uh, Nastasic, Sane, and um, Kalajuri. Uh, I'm going to go with a like deep midfield two of Bentaleb and Stambouli. I've actually liked Stambouli quite a bit in a midfield role, which he started playing, I think, later in the season. Um, I thought he was just more consistent. Than Rudy and Serdar there. Um, 
This is kind of where it gets tough because I feel like attacking wise, we've been so awful. Uh, I kind of want to give a shout out to Alessandro Schupf playing wide or something um, on the right side. If it was like a 4 okay. 2 3 1, okay. maybe. Um, uh, I will give it to McKinney at Cam, I guess, uh, just because he's been playing striker for part of the season. So, you know, he gets forward and he's a presence in the box. Uh, and I like him in the, you know, being involved. Uh, wow. Out left. Uh, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe Harit. Um, and then I guess up top, uh, Mark Oot, potentially. I don't think any striker really distanced themselves from the rest of the pack. Um, I thought Mbolo and, and Oot at, at various times before their injuries looked like they were kind of getting things together. Um, and then obviously Skripsky did a decent job coming in late. And um, yeah, we'll have to see how that turns out going forward. But that's, that's I guess, my, my best 11. All right. Marie, how about you? Yeah, so I'm really glad I didn't go first because I got to think about mine a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so oh, I'm gonna, gonna go new. I'm gonna go Nubel and goal. By the way, yeah, oh. I was about to say. Yeah, I was surprised that you started with defensive, uh, with the defensive block there. But yeah, I'm, I've got Nubel and goal, and then four two three one, um, same back line as um, you just said. So Ochipka, uh, Nastasic, Sunny, and Kalijuri, and then in the defensive midfield, I have Stambouli alongside McKenney. Um, you know, with McKenney having a more open role, but really that's his his kind of born position. Um, so <laughs> that's why I want want him there. And then I have Oot as a right wing, which he's played occasionally, um, just because I think he has a lot of flexibility and room in that position. Then in the central attacking role, I have Suatsiada. I've been a bit disappointed with Bentalet at times, especially in the derby, I have to say. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of him, by the way. Um, perhaps one of our best players. But in the derby, he was really wasteful of his passing. So that's why he hasn't made my team right now. I have Konoplyanka on the left and then Skripsky up top. All right, all right. Um, I am going to go with the captain, Araf Fairman in net. Um, I'm going to go with a 4 one 2 3 um, so back four of Daniel Caligiri, Salif Sane, Natias, um, Matija Nastasic, uh, Bastian Ochipka. The number six going to Benjamin Stambouli. Uh, really, he'll probably drop into the back three and have the two wing backs push up forward. Anyway, uh, Bentaleb and Harit next to each other in the, in the attack in midfield with um, Mark Uth, Guido Bergseller, and either Skripsky or Mbolo on their right wing uh, to complement the top three. Um, but yeah, we're all fairly much in... Uh, uh, other than goal, I think the goal is the only thing I'm disagreeing with. It doesn't matter because I think Nubel's great. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's, it's been hard to pick this year, uh, a best starting 11 because we've seen so much rotation. Um, I'm really surprised none of us picked, uh, a top two striking pair of McKinney and Hamza Mendil. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe in the Brook Runda. <laughs> oh, Let's hope my. we never see that again. Yeah, right, right. Uh, fans, uh, what'd you make of, uh, the awards tonight? Uh, tell us how it panned out or, or this morning, uh, depending on what part of the world you're at. Uh, send us, uh, your thoughts at S under, or SO4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, easy for me to say. That'll wrap this one up. Uh, we want to thank, uh, Schalke and, uh, for, uh, yeah, everything I've done so far this season. Um, 
If you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke US newsletter by simply going to the team website and entering your email address. You'll receive them monthly. A uh, special shout out to our special friends, NBC4 Nashville. Um, we would also want to thank, absolutely though, is our esteemed guest Marie on her contributions and hope to have a lot more collaborations for this season. Marie, where can our listeners follow you on social media? It's been a pleasure. Um, yeah, on Twitter, I'm quite active under the handle at Marie Shubo. That's Shubo with S-C-H-U-B-O, just one word. And you can read my articles um, at Focus Online. The website there is just focus.de. So, yeah, hope to be in touch. <laughs> ah, excellent, excellent. Uh, Jack, where can our followers find you on Twitter? J.M. Mangan on Twitter, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, Bundesliga getting back into action this Sunday against Wolfsburg. And I'd just like to echo Richard's sentiment and thank Marie for joining us. It is always a pleasure. And we honestly don't do this, I think, uh, often enough with you because you're fantastic. So thank you so much for making time in your schedule to uh, to join us from, from across the pond and uh, help us break all this down. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, I, I look forward to this. So I'm glad that I got invited. <laughs> I'm glad we could uh, all figure this uh, crazy schedule out today to uh, get this done. So... Um, once again, I'm your host, Richard Carman, and you can find me on Twitter as well at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Peace.